and welcome to Shameless, the pop culture podcast for smart people who love dumb stuff. You're joined, as always, by Melbourne writers, Michelle Andrews, that would be me, and Zara McDonald, that would be you. Hello, and hello, producer Annabelle Lee. Hello, everyone. Hello, ladies. Coming up on today's show, Sophie Turner sues Joe Jonas and shows him what magnificent PR looks like. Taylor Swift wants you to know who Travis Kelsey is. Emma Roberts has been accused of transphobia by a former co-star. And we absolutely need to talk about the Netflix rom-com that we watched and adored this week. But first, Zara McDonald, how was your week? Well, I have been meaning to tell you on mic for weeks now. Oh, my God. No, nothing bad. Only good. Oh, yep. Um, <laughs> to back up three former recommendations of yours <gasps> that I've just constantly forgotten to do because... I'm so proud of myself Your face is lit up. (laughs) I just read your proof copy of Dolly Alderton's Good Material, Mm -hmm. which comes out in November. It is incredible. You recommended that on the show. I am currently wearing a Skims bra. I know. And I'll tell you what, I can move my shawl. I can just do anything. (laughs) And mum and I, in the last month or so, have been watching couples therapy religiously. You've been trying to get me on that show for years. This was your version of succession. You'd never seem to want to dive in. I've been trying to get you onto couples therapy. It makes my heart want to burst with joy that you have discovered couples therapy. Give me your thoughts. It's amazing. For those who actually may not have heard Michelle recommend it before, if you like Esther Perel or have ever listened to Where Should We Begin, it's basically couples therapy in real time, but you have like a 10-episode season where you track different relationships and their couples therapy sessions. It is fascinating. I mean, namely, I can't fathom why people want to do this with their relationship and put everything out there. But it's not staged. No, because the thing is... You can't stage that. Because we obviously do Everybody Has a Secret here, right? Like, I know a lot of the listeners will know that we do that show where the audience shares their real life secrets and often it's relationship stories. We guarantee, like, complete anonymity. We protect people's details. Like, we change little things to make sure people are never traced back to the stories we share on that podcast. The fact that people get on this show and share equally salacious secrets about their personal lives but do it with their own face and their own voice befuddles me. It is incredible. We watched all of season one. I think we're like halfway through season two. We watched the American version and we've just been loving it. So I just wanted to start by saying wonderful trifecta of recommendations there. I've taken them all on board. In terms of my recommendations, I've actually got two very quick ones, if that's okay. Oh my God, it's it's a quintuplet. Yes, the first (laughs) one. It's technically five recommendations. (laughs) I'm taking the piss. You have been taking the piss for the longest time. I just rebranded the first three as yours because they were. Okay, so the first thing I want to recommend is a bit rogue. It's a nine-year-old blog post from Imogen Heap about... Taylor Swift. Now, I stumbled on this. I have no idea how. It might have been on TikTok or on the depths of Twitter. But basically, it's about Imogen Heap and her day with Taylor Swift writing the song Clean from 1989. What a banger. Call Me a Fool. I didn't know Imogen Heap co-wrote that song. I had no idea and I love Imogen Heap songs. With her adds up. You know, with her gloves where she moves and she changes the... Oh, (laughs) sorry, I thought... I don't know why I brought this up. Come on, tell me more. She gloves. (laughs) She maybe invented or she had something to do with these like gloves where they're connected (laughs) with her voice. And when she like, for example, raises her left arm, it does this like distortion thing with her voice. And you know the song... Where Where are we? That one. That she uses these gloves. And Ariana Grande loves them too. So she does. Annabelle, are you sure? Is, I don't Maybe. know if our listeners will ever remember that Annabelle Lee once said that Olivia Coleman was Phoebe Waller-Bridge's godmother. In another life, yes. <laughs> and the other life is just Fleabag the show. Yeah, it's all in my mind. No, I, that sounds real. Uh, so thanks for the fun fact. The gloves sound real. Yeah, they that, that, that real. does sound real to me. Okay. But we'll find out. Back to this blog post, I found and it was basically Imogen Heap writing this whole piece on a play-by-play of them meeting for the first time, going into Imogen Heap's studio and writing that song over the course of like five or six hours. Oh, my God. And it's amazing. And Imogen Heap admits in this blog post that she 
didn't actually think much of Taylor Swift before <gasps> this. Like, wasn't sold on her being the an tr- artiste. Yes, yeah. exactly. Like, a, a true writer. And there's, like, this amazing part of the blog post where Imogen Heap is playing Taylor Swift a part of the song and Taylor Swift's like, absolutely not, that's too boring, you'll lose everyone, cut it, tighter. Like, make things more fun. Yeah. And I just, I adored finding it and reading it, especially because 1989, the re-release is coming out. So mm-hmm. if you're interested in that, read the blog post. The second thing I very quickly want to recommend is an episode of This American Life. I adored this. I think you'll love it, Michelle. Annabelle, I think you'll like it. <laughs> love girl, Annabelle Lee over there. <laughs> um, it's called Say It To My Face. And it's stories of friendship where two friends never had the ability to tell each other the truth oh and God. their relationships really suffered because of it. And I feel like, I mean, we have lots of conversations back and forth, Mish, you and I, because we run a business together about how we've managed and I think we're pretty proud of how we've managed to cultivate a friendship and a relationship where you are really gently honest with each other and you're stronger because of it yeah and you listen to this podcast episode and you just want to squeeze these people and say just 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 sit down and have a chat about how you're feeling wow and you'll all be better for it and they don't and it's really good I really really enjoyed it and I think it speaks so much to how we should all be trying to build these relationships Mm. where we can tell people how we feel because all our relationships are stronger because of it like let people in let people in so are these groups of friends getting onto the show together or are they individually speaking to journalists or am I about to spoil something for myself I actually don't want to tell you that oh because <laughs> I do think it might spoil one of the key oh stories okay either I really way. want to listen to it's this really really good and I think it's really beautiful I mean this American life can do no wrong but I adored it. So it's called Say It To My Face. Oh my God, I love that. What about you? What are you recommending? Well, the recommendation love circle is continuing because I am recommending something that you recommended to me this week. (laughs) (laughs) You forwarded me Pandora Sykes' newsletter, one of the editions. It's called Books and Bits. And her most recent edition of the newsletter was an interview with her friend, the ghostwriter, Catherine Ormerod. You sent it to me and said, this is super interesting. I think you'll like it. And you were correct. I liked it so much. I want to tell the listeners about it. I have been fascinated by what's been going on with Millie Bobby Brown's book release. I know you're across it, Zara. Yeah. Annabella, you're yes. across this. She's doing all this press right now for a book, right? Yes. Yeah. This is a fiction book. So obviously we typically see celebrities marketing their memoirs, right? And often memoirs are ghostwritten because it's the celebrity story, but they need a little bit of help when it comes to actually getting words onto a page and crafting a narrative. Millie Bobby Brown has written or is releasing a fiction book about the 1943 Bethnal Green tube disaster, but it's actually ghostwritten by author Kathleen McGurl. Now, Kathleen McGurl's name is not on the cover of the book. Millie Bobby Brown's name is on the cover of the book, and I think it's raised a very interesting conversation about celebrities, literature, ghostwriters, and also, why would you need a ghostwriter to write a fiction book? Like, if you're writing a fiction book under your own name, should that be your own words? Yeah, it's actually a fascinating conversation and I have so many thoughts about it. And that's why I think I found this newsletter also very interesting because I think it sort of countered a lot of my initial gut reaction, which was exactly what you said. If you're going to write a fiction book, surely fiction's the thing you put your own name to. But I think also when you consider the fact that this is sort of inspired by a true life event in Millie Bobby Brown's life and she doesn't want to write a memoir, is there actually that much difference between saying, actually, let's make this fiction Mm. and having someone else write it. I also, the other thing I've been thinking about is, is there that much difference between a celebrity saying, I'm going to start a makeup line and slap my name on it, but everybody else will do the work. Like there is so much outrage about this. I mean, Barnes and Noble had to disable comments when they announced this book. The trolling was so bad. Waterstones had to delete their tweet. A really popular reply was, you should be ashamed. Ghostwritten celebrity novels have ruined children's literature. (laughs) And now they're doing the same to adult fiction. And I was like, is this even 
true. Like there's always mm. so much outrage about ghostwritten books. And I love this quote from Catherine Ormerod in Pandora Sykes' newsletter because she said, there's a misconception about how much money publishing houses make from books. If you want the unknown literary debuts to be published, if you want books to continue being published full stop, publishing houses need to get their money from somewhere. 19 Steps isn't stopping debuts get a look in, it's funding them. Publishing, like all of the arts, is a business. I just loved this interview so much. I found that so many of the responses from Catherine Ormerod were the opposite of what I thought she was going to say somehow. Completely. But it's interesting to read the pragmatism that you have to have as a ghostwriter. Catherine Ormerod and Kathleen McGurl, the ghostwriter of Millie Bobby Brown's book, have signed up to a career where they are in the background, where their names aren't in bright lights. And I think it's fascinating to actually see a ghostwriter's perspective on this topic. So this newsletter was just brilliant. And me. also you can't chase a career in ghostwriting and want to be the star. Like no. the, the reason they often like it, I'm learning, is because they really don't want any attention. Mm. And that's why it's very interesting after Prince Harry's memoir was published. I don't know if you guys read that piece in The New Yorker. I think I put it on our Instagram recap from his ghostwriter called J.R. Moringa. And he wrote a piece called Notes from Prince Harry's Ghostwriter. And he has become like a very famous ghostwriter now, which sounds like an oxymoron. But he wrote about what it's like to ghostwrite a book. That's also <laughs> another good recommendation <laughs> in the context of this conversation because I think ghostwriting is a conversation that I'm fascinated by. You guys might want to watch this space actually now that I'm thinking of it because we do our next episode on Stranger Than Fiction Ooh. is a very famous mm. ghostwriting scandal of mm. the literary world. Yes, I couldn't read or absorb more content when it comes to ghostwritten stuff at the moment. So I'm excited for that Stranger Than Fiction episode. Yeah. You oh, stuck another wreck I'm on that one. <laughs> yeah. Oh, the one you, with you, the oh you're like, oh, I now like, I know what you're talking about. <laughs> this all sounds very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Should we jump into the quick and dirty today? Because there is some stuff to cover. Absolutely, we will. Apparently last week we forgot to actually introduce the quick and dirty oh, and no. we got so many DMs that were angry <laughs> about it. So I will try and do it succinctly. Guys, the quick and dirty is the top five stories from the rough and tumble of the celebrity and pop culture news cycle. Zara loves a recommendation. McDonald, what do you have for us? Nice. I think it's about as smooth as it gets from you. Introducing <laughs> it like that. I love that you added from me. Well, it's been five Not and a half smooth years. As it gets. <laughs> no, oh no. Our first story. Sophie Turner sues Joe Jonas to return their two children to England, says he won't turn over kids' passports. That's from NBC. Sophie Turner has gone bang, guys. After being silent, I think, while Joe Jonas's PR team really tried to set the narrative, she has come onto the scene with a complete bang. She's suing Joe Jonas, asking for the return of their two young kids, saying in her court filing that he won't turn over their passports. So it's officially messy. I mean, I, I think we knew it was messy before this, but this is when it gets super, super messy. The court documents actually argue that the children have been wrongfully kept in New York City since Wednesday from their, and I quote, habitual residence in England. As we know, Sophie and Joe have two kids. Now, you might be wondering, okay, well, what's this about habitual residence? What's this about England? Well, the petition actually says that Sophie and Joe moved to England in April. And it sounds like at the start of this year, they had some very serious discussions about where their future would be where they would live. They had decided that England was to be their home. They moved into a rental in May and they entered into contracts to buy a home in July with a plan to move there in December, according to the filing. So this stuff is not that long ago. No, it's super recent. According to Sophie, this divorce has been very, very rapid. Around this time, the couple decided the kids would stay with Joe, would travel with him around the US and his extended family while he does the Jonas Brothers tour. So they figured out that the kids would be with Joe while Sophie's overseas for work. What I find really interesting about the filing when it mentions this is, and everybody is reporting this quite a lot, is her sort of saying or the filing saying that she felt very hesitant about that arrangement. Like mm. this was not something that she wanted. And I wondered if it was one of two things. If it was A, she actually was hesitant about him being with the kids for that amount of time and not being there. Or 
She really felt like and feels like at this point in the narrative, she needs to really convince the public that she's desperate to be with her children, Mm. that she's not this wild 27-year-old party girl. This was not an arrangement she wanted, but it was the one that made most sense for the kids. Yeah, 100%. I think you're bang on. The petition said the plan was for Sophie to travel to New York in mid-September and then return to the UK with the kids. But then, of course, we know Joe had already filed for divorce by mid this month anyway. More than that, her petition claims that this all happened on a completely different timeline, as we mentioned before. Joe tried to tell us that these two had been splitting for six months. Well, anonymous sources. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, got to get that in. Sophie Turner, however, says the breakdown of their marriage happened, and I quote, very suddenly after an argument on August 15. Now, of course, social media sleuths quickly discovered that August 15 is Joe Jonas's birthday. And that's actually also the date of her final Instagram post of them together. She posted this like behind the scenes, holding hands, coupley photo at one of his shows. Now it seems whatever happened that night was what caused this marriage to crumble. This is making far more sense to me because I remember when the news of their split originally came out, it sort of, I think it was very end of August, start of September. I was like, if they've been splitting for six months, how come two weeks ago she posted she's this. posting photos of them holding hands? I think in one photo she was like kissing his hand and have she has all the Jonas Brothers bracelets on her arm. Mm. It was incredibly confusing. Now she's saying, no, we kind of were together. I would think that perhaps they were together when she posted these photos. Some really cataclysmic argument happened that evening yes. and everything fell apart from there. Agree. Now, just a quick timeline checking because this was also really fascinating. News broke, like the tabloid rumours broke that these two were maybe splitting or that Joe Jonas was shopping around for divorce lawyers in the very first few days of September. It was like on or around September 3. Joe then filed for divorce on September 5. According to Sophie's court documents, she found out about the divorce filing through the media. Now, Joe Jonas's team has emphatically denied this, but I think I've kind of gotten to the bottom of what's gone on. They've said, no, she didn't. He filed for divorce and let her know on September 5 or 6, they said. I think what she's saying is she found out about the whispers about him going to divorce lawyers through the media. He had not told her. So when those stories broke on September 3, he had not communicated that to her. He then confirmed once she was like, what the fuck is this report in TMZ? Yes, actually, by the way, he is divorce papers. I think you're probably bang on there because I think what it sounds like from her perspective anyway is, as we said, they had an argument on August 15. She probably thought they were just in a terrible place. Suddenly she may actually see news outlets reporting that they're, no, 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 this is like properly done. Yeah. Realises, oh my God, is this true? And he says, yes. And by the way, I've just filed today. Yeah. So technically, like like technically I haven't divorced you yet or haven't filed papers yet, but hey, I'm actually doing it right now. Yeah. Now, Joe Jonas's rep actually did quickly respond to all of this with the following statement because it wasn't looking good for Joe Jonas. No. They said, this is an unfortunate legal disagreement about a marriage that is sadly ending. When language like abduction is used, it is misleading at best and a serious abuse of the legal system at worst. The children were not abducted. After being in Joe's care for the past three months at the agreement of both parties, the children are currently with their mother. Sophie is making this claim only to move the divorce proceedings to the UK and remove the children from the US permanently. It all gives me a bit of a headache. This is like so yuck at this point. It's just... I don't know. It's just really stressful and really gross that two people who wanted to keep their kids out of the limelight so desperately have now actually put their kids in the limelight because they can't sort out their shit between themselves. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this gets far messier when you consider the fact that they are actually from two different countries. Like, I don't know if we would be seeing such intense legal proceedings playing out publicly if not for the fact that she wants to now live in England and he wants to live in the US. And what do you do about divorce proceedings? What do you do about child custody? How do you have a co-parenting relationship where you don't want to live in the same country? Like it is deeply (sighs) stressful. As for an update on, on the kids, it's been decided that they will and must remain in New York until further notice. And I think the one thing that people were talking about after this petition 
came out is that it happened one day after Sophie Turner went out for dinner with one Taylor Swift. And not just one dinner, it turned out. I know. Multiple dinners. She went out the following night again. So she really sandwiched this headline, the headline about her suing Joe Jonas, with multiple Taylor Swift outings, which I feel like is the perfect PR play, right? Like we had this display of female unity, display of female friendship that was just a complete like PR bonanza on it social media. It was huge because of course huge. Taylor Swift used to date Joe Jonas. He dumped her over the phone. Yeah. What was it? Nine, 13 second phone call or something. <laughs> something I like that. I think it was it. Yeah, I think she said 25 seconds oh, or something. Yeah. Let's slice those seconds. <laughs> it was Joe Jonas. I don't trust him. <laughs> but like to do that and then to see Taylor again, be papped out together it's just so well executed. You can definitely tell that Sophie Turner's people understand current day public relations far more than Joe Jonas's like magazine day PR team does. I also wouldn't be surprised though if Taylor Swift's PR team is playing a huge role here. If yeah. she's looking at this and thinking, yeah, I'm not loving how this narrative is playing out. I wouldn't be surprised if Taylor Swift or her team had messaged Sophie a week or two ago as mm. they were watching this saying, just let us know if there's anything yes. we can do. They come back and say, actually, there is this thing you can do. Can we go out for dinner? Can we be papped? I'm going to file my petition the next day. What is confusing to me is why there needed to be so many dinners. Yeah, like, maybe they just like each because other. Because they actually do enjoy it. I mean, they could just hang out at home, though. Well, we know they've been friends for a while, though. Like, Taylor Swift has said way before this divorce ever happened that she's actually quite close with Sophie Turner. It sounds like her friendship with Sophie helped her patch things up with her ex-boyfriend, Joe. Like, she's even written about this yeah. in songs, saying, like, I now send his baby and his wife presents. So... I think they're genuinely friends. They both happen to be in New York at the moment. Sophie, because she has to be, because her kids have to stay there. Taylor is on a break from touring. I think they're making the best of a bad situation and they are letting the public know about it. Taylor is in an era, I know we're about to talk about this. We are. <laughs> She's in an era where she wants us to see everything. And I'm here for it. We're so <laughs> yeah, <fun>. we're loving <laughs> We're going to get to that after the break. Our second story, Taylor Swift takes a sudden interest in football. That is from The Cut. Well. Oh, what a week. What a week. What a week. I would say in case you missed it, but I'm not sure anyone missed it. (laughs) (laughs) Guys, Travis Kelsey. Annabelle, what do we know about Travis? He is rugby? Rugby player? Footy. NFL. Wait. NFL. (laughs) NFL. There she is. NFL, I will have you know, Travis Kelsey is a very attractive NFL player for the Kansas City Chiefs. He is 33 years old, just like Taylor Swift. According to his Wikipedia page, he is, and I quote, considered one of the greatest tight ends of all time. He is six foot five and apparently gets paid 14 mil a year. Yeah, and that's in US as well. And apparently underpaid for how good he is. I've been reading quite a lot. (laughs) I've gone so deep. I've never read so much about the fact that as a tight end, it's so wild of him to have such a celebrity status. And I can't stop thinking about the fact that there's something about the term tight end. It sounds sexual. It sounds a bit like an anus. (laughs) 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 But yeah, it is. It is not. It's not a sexy role on the NFL field. So I'm hearing he's not a quarterback. (laughs) He's no Tom Brady. He is a tight end. <laughs> he but, is a titan. No, that's not all. He's also a former reality star. He literally had his own TV show called Catching Kelsey in 2016, where 50 women from 50 states <laughs> vied for his heart. It didn't work for the record. I actually oh. watched an episode of Catching Kelsey as no. a research. He ended up picking a woman and he broke up with her like eight months later. Then got into a relationship that was quite long-term for like five years with an Instagram influencer. It's considered like Catching Kelsey, I mean, quite a flop of a show. Like a big (laughs) fat joke. Well, yeah. (laughs) This is the fun. Like clearly for him to have his own reality show in 2016, I don't think we can emphasise how much he is a big deal. Like his whole family is actually a big deal and very famous over in America. His big brother, Jason, plays for the Philadelphia Eagles. They now have a podcast together that's extremely popular. Their mum is even famous. She's lovingly referred to by the media as Mama Kelsey. I think my only reference point for Travis Kelsey is like the honey badger here in Australia. (laughs) Honey badger on steroids. The honey Um. badger crossed over with like big... Star power. 
the honey badger. Cross between. Liam Hemsworth. Okay. Oh, that makes more sense. Thank you. Um, <laughs> sure. <laughs> now, we have been quite breadcrumbed when it comes to this relationship. Travis said on his own podcast in July that he'd actually gone to the Errors tour and was planning on having a crack at Taylor. He said, I was disappointed that she doesn't talk before or after her shows because she has to save her voice for the 44 <laughs> songs that she sings. That's our girl. <laughs> I mean, I was sort of like, wow, how committed. And then I was like, is that true or did she just not want to talk to you? <laughs> like, is that like the easiest excuse in the world? And so then he went on and said, so I was a little hurt that I didn't get to hand her one of the bracelets I made for her. If you're up on Taylor Swift concerts, there are friendship bracelets. I received a bunch of these being there, but I wanted to give Taylor Swift one with my number on it. She doesn't meet anybody, or at least she didn't want to meet me. So I took it personal. Yeah. So, <laughs> I mean, that comes out. Everyone starts reporting on it, given how much of a star Travis Kelsey is. A lot of sports media publish articles saying he wanted to give Taylor Swift his number. As the tabloid reporting suggests, Taylor's team got in touch with Travis Kelsey and said she's actually keen. Like, she is keen. If you want to pursue her, she's ready to be pursued. And they swapped information. That was end of July. Come early September this month, we start getting reports that Taylor and Travis are quietly hanging out. They've been on a couple of dates. Quietly because she still doesn't want to talk to him. (laughs) 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 She's just nodding. (laughs) I must save my voice, Travis. Nice work. Well done. (laughs) Thank you. In the middle of the month, Travis's brother Jason, as we know, also famous, was doing an interview where he was asked about the Travis Taylor rumours. He was like put on the spot and essentially asked, are they actually dating? To which he responded, I've seen these rumours, I cannot comment. (laughs) And that was what exploded everything. Straight away, people were like, hang on. If he's not giving anything, that means something is going on. A hundred percent. And then Travis goes on some like bro-ish radio show <laughs> called the Pat McAfee Show. <laughs> it's McAfee. Uh. <laughs> Sorry, everyone. <laughs> I might actually be wrong, but McAfee just said that. <laughs> that doesn't feel right. How famous is this guy? Oh, like pretty. <laughs> yeah. I. Okay, whatever. He went on this Pat McAfee show and said... I threw it out there. I threw the ball in her court. You know, I told her, I've seen you rock the stage in Arrowhead. You might have to come see me rock the stage in Arrowhead and see which one's a little more lit. (laughs) If you guys haven't sensed it already from the quotes. He's bro Travis is such a bro. Like this, you couldn't get someone further away from Joe Alwyn. Like Mm. hoity-toity British man. This guy is like frat boy energy. Yeah, and then fast forward to Sunday US time and Taylor is right there at the game, decked out in Kelsey's team colours. She's sitting right next to his mum. She's jumping and whooping and yelling. She's as front and centre as you can get. Yeah, like absolutely. Everyone has a camera on her. Every major media organisation is reporting on the fact that she's there and social media is going completely wild. Naturally, it sparked a conversation as to what the hell is going on. Is this PR? Is it not PR? I found one interesting tweet that got tens of thousands of likes yesterday that read, I don't know who needs to hear this, but Taylor Swift, the biggest pop star on the planet, and Travis Kelsey, star footballer, are the last people to need a PR relationship. And to that, I would say, I think you've mistaken what a PR relationship actually does. Yeah. For some people, a PR relationship is to get yourself into the media and get people talking about you. For other people, namely A-list celebrities, a la Taylor Swift, a PR relationship is purely for fun. Like yeah. it can be to position you in a slightly different way. And you might actually still hang out with that person from time to time. Yes. Like you might actually give them a kiss from time to time. A kiss. I'm not sure. <laughs> it, I absolutely agree with you. It might be sort of like one of those very public flings that never had to be public if not for the fact that you do want to brand yourself in a certain way. I think Taylor is trying to brand herself as fun right now. I mean, they drove off into the sunset in a vintage convertible with the roof down. <laughs> They're not trying to hide at all. She was eating like fried chicken backstage with ranch and tomato sauce. So everyone's like, oh, Taylor Swift is such a fun-loving footy girl. She's dating the footy player. She's so laid back. And I think what this does for her brand, why this could be a PR relationship, sorry to break the hearts of listeners, 
is she's just come off the back of a highly controversial relationship with Maddie Healy. Very. A relationship where he was very artsy and very controversial and would say deeply problematic shit all the time. And now she's dating the lovable football larrikin who mm. just has a good time and gets a touchdown and like how enjoyable and American and fun. At the time, it couldn't be more serendipitous for him as well. Like it's so fascinating. I did go deep on Travis Kelsey in the last few days because I have been fascinated by him. And it has been a massive few months for him. And the general sense around Travis Kelsey at the moment is, yes, he's a star footballer and he's incredibly famous in NFL, but he is on the precipice of trying to work out what he does in his career next. And he's looking at, do you go into broadcast? Do you go into movies? He's been signed by CAA, which is like a big Hollywood talent agency. Only like he, in April as well. This was yeah. very recent that he's decided to go into entertainment. He's wanting to enter a new stratosphere and has been very open about that. But he did SNL earlier this year, which no athlete has barely ever done. The other athletes in the world that have ever kind of hosted SNL or guest hosted SNL are like Michael Jordan. And after this, he did this massive profile in Vanity Fair that dropped maybe two months ago. And I read this profile and there is a lot of discussion about the fact that he hosted SNL and how huge that was for his brand. And the journalist, Tom Clott, wrote, the SNL gig was the highlight of Kelsey's off-season ascent to the A-list. We have all been witnesses to the summer of Kelsey. Keep in mind, this is written well before he's properly been linked to Taylor Swift. And I just find this fascinating, this discussion of like Travis Kelsey is about to surpass just being an NFL player to being an international star. And I think this Taylor Swift thing has done it. The New York Times published an article this morning with the headline, Travis Kelsey was a star, Taylor Swift put him in another orbit. And I think that's what he's been working towards as well. I have no doubt these two are having fun together, but it works perfectly for the both of them. Oh, I absolutely think they're sleeping together. I think they're absolutely casually dating. Don't get me wrong. But when people are like, this is her husband. Like, she's going to marry this guy. No, I don't know. I mean, I'll be surprised if this is the guy because I think when Taylor's chaotic like this, she is having fun. Like, she's fucking with us. She doesn't give a fuck. She's just, yeah, she She just wants to lean into joy here, I think. Yeah. And be seen as someone who's having a lot of fun and being very easy breezy and carefree. I'm really loving it. I think it's very much, I think a lot of people are doing that, to be honest at the moment. I think the climate is very much one where people want to find joy and find happiness and just have fun because we've had a weird couple of years. (laughs) So I think it works. She's an amazing celebrity. She's doing celebrity really fucking well at the moment. I was just about to move on. (laughs) Why does this keep happening to us? We record the episode and then we have to come back into the studio to give you an update. Well, we actually just stopped recording and then I've had to sort of come straight back in. and from the future. Yeah, and we're we're sort of inserting this in the middle of the episode where it fits. Because Michelle just went on a big tangent about how Travis Kelsey is this like deeply unproblematic, wonderful, perfect (laughs) man that is like so perfect for Taylor Swift's brand. And I agreed with you and I still don't disagree with the whole thing, but there is... A development with an ex-girlfriend. Well, I've just said this was so unmessy and so fun, and now we've got some messiness. So it turns out that as we were recording, essentially, Travis Kelsey's ex-girlfriend, Maya Benberry, who is the person he met on Catching Kelsey, his version of The Bachelor, she has come out and spoken to the Daily Mail. She has said, once a cheater, always a cheater. In regards to Travis Kelsey, her quote reads, Taylor seems like such a fun girl with a beautiful spirit, so I wish her the best of luck, but I wouldn't be a girl's girl if I didn't advise her to be smart. I'm sure by now she has mastered the ability to see who is really there for her and who is just using her. I can only hope that she comes out the teacher in this situation and not the student. (laughs) What? She says that Travis cheated on her while they were dating and... I know I mentioned this in the segment we just recorded. He cheated on Maya Benberry, apparently, and then got into that long-term relationship with the Instagram influencer that I referenced. Yes, exactly. That's This is what Maya Benberry is saying. Teacher and student is an interesting phrasing. I'm very intrigued by that. <laughs> is she telling Taylor to cheat on him? Yeah, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I'm not sure. I also do think next week on the show, might have to start unpacking the use of girl's girl and how it's proliferated oh our language. God. Girl's girl, you're so right. Because it's everywhere. I mean, an interesting development. What do I think of it? If it's true, it was a long time ago. Yeah, I'm the same. It's not like I love a cheater. I hate cheating. But I also hate cheating, but I also don't subscribe to the idea that once a cheater, always a cheater. No, and this happened in early 2017 or maybe even late 2016. I think 2016. So I think we can not take it with a grain of salt maybe, but I don't think it's a huge story that the media might spin it to be. I agree. Now back to our actual third story. (laughs) (laughs) Back to past us.
our third story. Asha confirmed as Super Bowl 2024 halftime performer. That's from Variety. Quick temperature check. Mm. Are um, we excited? Do we? I felt underwhelmed. <laughs> me, me too. Same. You can't go Rihanna and not give us like Taylor Swift or Beyonce next. I really desperately wanted Cyrus. Miley Cyrus yeah. or Har- Harry Styles. Even can you imagine opening with Party in the USA? Like, I know. Yeah. just Miley has such bangers. I feel like she's so suited for this, and I was let down by the Usher thing. Anyway, we'll get to the actual details. An ad with Kim Kardashian was actually used to announce that Usher is next year's Super Bowl halftime performance. May I interrupt for one second? Is that not saying at all if you need Kim Kardashian <laughs> to announce the news for the Star Power? I don't know if Usher has the Star Power. Yeah. I don't mind some of Usher's songs. Don't get me wrong. Bangers, but I can't name many of them. No, I just know the tunes and and when they come on, I know the words. But I I don't think his star power is there. But anyway, keep going. Well, I would say, sorry to, I know you told me to keep going, but can I stay here for a sec? You may. He's not that iconic. There are so many musicians. Jay-Z, Beyonce, Miley Cyrus. Even, sorry, I I know he's so problematic. I don't say this in an endorsement way, just an iconic way. Justin Timberlake. Like, you can think of songs that they have released and you go, that will be so suited. Rihanna. They were like songs straight away. Young for the Usher iconic no, thing because we we get all the other people. Yeah, we've never questioned. I'm just trying to like. <laughs> I'm just trying. Let's poll this. Yeah, you'll say Friday. You tell us. Do you think it's underwhelming? Jay Z selected Usher. Usher got the call from Jay Z to say, "You're my selection." So clearly, Jay Z thinks he's iconic and enough. And he was but I I just... thinking he got the call from Kim Kardashian. <laughs> <laughs> well, yes, a terrific segue from you, Zara. You. Kim was acting in this ad as Usher's publicist. In the ad, she calls Usher as if he's her client and delivers the big news. That is a tie-in with another big celebrity story at the moment, American Horror Story Delicate, which is the latest season of the iconic US TV show, is currently airing. And Kim Kardashian is actually one of the stars in the show. So she was playing her American Horror Story publicist character in the ad. Yeah, 100%. Now, people are actually getting behind Kim on this show. Like, people are like, she's not a bad actress. She's a good actress. Yeah, Yeah. and so I think that's why they're kind of leveraging that in order to also announce this news for Usher. I mean, I don't actually have a whole lot to add here. I think we needed to tell the listeners who was hosting the halftime show. I will wait to see the uh, (laughs) performance before I properly give my thoughts. I just feel like if we had to have a split show between JLo and Shakira, who are so iconic, but Usher gets his own show, like I find it offensive, sorry. <laughs> Here we go. Uh, Why am I so forceful today? <laughs> Speaking of American Horror Story, our fourth story, Emma Roberts apologises to Angelica Ross for alleged transphobic comments. That's from Vanity Fair. A bit of a interesting tie-in actually between so many of the stories this week. Well, I don't think we've ever actually mentioned American Horror Story on this <laughs> before and now it's got two mentions. Now, a quick one on Emma Roberts and American Horror Story. She's actually been on the show before Mish. Yes, she's been in a couple of seasons actually before this one. The last season she was in before the current season that's airing was American Horror Story 1984. That was released in 2019. When she was on that season of American Horror Story, she was acting alongside an actress named Angelica Ross. Now that the new season of AHS is being released, Angelica Ross has come out and accused Emma of transphobia four or five years ago when that was filmed. Yeah, so Angelica actually did an Instagram Live where she told the story in full. She said that they were both joking around on set when Emma told one of their co-workers, John, Angelica is being mean. Angelica, who is transgender, said John then told the two women, okay, ladies, you know that's enough. Let's get back to work. She says Emma replied, don't you mean lady? Yikes. Angelica Ross told her followers that she was really deeply affected by that exchange. She said, I'm standing there. Emma walked away. My blood is boiling. Boiling because I'm like, if I say something, it's going to be me that's the problem. And I know this because there was someone who spoke up about what she was doing, as in, I guess, doing on set, and they got repercussions from it. Not her, they did. Yeah, Angelica went on. When I saw that happening, I was just like, I'm done, I'm done. I didn't speak to that bitch the entire time after that. She said to me she could feel the energy coming off of me. She was like, are you okay? You haven't been talking. I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm, because bitch, don't play me. You've been playing mind games with everybody on the set and everybody's been waiting for the moment that you would get me. (sighs) 
Angelica then wrote tweets where she said Emma had mocked her deeper voice and made her feel really self-conscious about it when obviously as a transgender woman, she was trying to make her voice sound a little bit higher, a little bit lighter. Very soon, social media was aflame with commentary about Emma Roberts being a difficult co-worker. I mean, it always happens, right? Videos of Emma Roberts maybe having clunky exchanges with fans were dug up. It was like a very, very quick rush to condemn Emma Roberts. A day later, Angelica returned to Twitter, or now called X, and wrote this. Thank you at Emma Roberts for calling and apologizing. Recognizing your behavior was not that of an ally. I will leave the line open to follow up on your desire to do better and support social justice causes with your platform. It's super interesting to watch this play out. We actually haven't heard from Emma Roberts at all. We've only heard from Angelica Ross saying Emma Roberts called her and tried to deal with it offline. Yeah, 100%. We'll see if we do hear from Emma. But I'd be surprised if we do now. I think, Mm. you know, if she's going to do it publicly, she probably would have already. Mm. Our fifth story. Love at first sight leaves Netflix viewers sobbing as fans heap praise on the newest (laughs) number one movie. That's from The Independent. We all love it. Yeah. You watched it, Annabelle? Yeah. I actually, like, saved it in my Netflix when I saw the preview. I was like, that looks like something I'll enjoy. <laughs> something you can do. Yeah, you can, like, add it or, like, make sure they notify you when it comes through. And boy, did it come through. <laughs> I loved. I loved it. In case you don't know what this movie is or what we're talking about, it's a brand new rom-com that's dropped on Netflix. It stars Hayley Lou Richardson and Ben Hardy. Ben Hardy was from Bohemian Rhapsody, Hayley Lou Richardson from White Lotus, of course. Ben Hardy, the actor. Is a Hardy. He (laughs) is the perfect casting Mm. of a male lead in a rom-com. I have never seen such superb casting in my life. How old is he? Ooh, well, he's playing an early 20-something. Yeah. He's been around for a while. I think he was in X-Men ages yeah. ago. Yeah. Annabelle, is... the fact she's asking us. I know. I, I'm sort gonna of gives go, it away. I'm going to go 34. Yeah, he's 32. <gasps> I watched him in this movie and thought, oh, a brand new up-and-comer. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful. I'd never seen him, but then I have seen Bohemian Rhapsody, and I loved that movie, and, of course, he's in it. But he's so good because rom-coms, they normally cast guys that are too conventionally attractive yeah. that I don't trust. Ben Hardy is the perfect blend of normal, British and hot that makes me watch him and go, I believe that you would exist out there and I believe your hotness and your quirkiness. Bit of Paul Mescal about it, if I may. (laughs) Superb comparison. Now, this film tells the story of two young people who meet in an airport. They get to know each other throughout a flight. It's a total classic case of them losing each other when the flight lands and la, 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 la. (laughs) I was on the edge of my seat. (laughs) fill in the blanks. It's a rom-com. Now, you may have heard about this film because it's actually the first film produced and released by Trending, which is a new media venture between Call Her Daddy's Alex Cooper and her fiancé Matt Kaplan. Now, for context, Matt's actually the founder and CEO of Ace Entertainment, which has already specialised in projects for young adult viewers and is probably best known for producing and releasing To All the Boys I Loved Before. God, he knows his stuff. Yeah. How does he do it? (laughs) It's really amazing. It's a really, really smart angle for the business. Yeah, the business stuff is actually something I want to touch on for a sec because Alice Cooper and, as you said, Zara, her fiancé, Matt Kaplan, launched this media venture back in June. And I just find it really interesting that they're going to be working so closely together. Well, it's also the details of it. And we don't have heaps of details on it, but the kind of structure of the company actually really struck me as something that was very interesting because trending will target Gen Z audiences, right, with programming across film, TV, audio, live events and so much more. Trending will be the parent company to Call Her Daddy and Matt Kaplan's Ace Entertainment. So they've created a company that now sits atop both of their individual pursuits, which I find just like a really fascinating way to structure a company when you're in a romantic relationship together and there's a lot of money tied up in it all. Hundreds of millions of dollars tied up in it all Yeah, like you've kind of sort of not just created something together, but in some way you kind of merged a lot of the assets. I imagine they're not 
fools, I imagine mm. that there are ways that stuff is still kept separate and can be kept Seven, separate yeah. if anything, God forbid, happened. But I just found that really fascinating because I love my partner to bits, but I would want to win. I could not work with my partner. Yeah, but I, I'm really interested in, I mean, I'm sure some of our listeners might work with their partners, but I, I found the kind of structure of all this fascinating. Now, upon the film's launch, Alex Cooper wrote on Instagram about Love at First Sight, this movie is very special to Matt and me. Three years ago, he asked me to fly to London to visit him while he was making this movie. We'd only just recently started seeing each other, but I said, fuck it, and I went. I ended up getting stuck there for three months with him due to COVID restrictions. We were living in a hotel room together, only leaving to go to the movie set. It was the best decision I ever made. We fell in love during the filming of this movie. I hope you love this film as much as we do. That's what made me watch it. Reading that Instagram caption made me be like, I'm hooked in. I think there is something nice about a rom-com being the set of them falling in love. Like that's very sweet. I want to know what we loved about this film. All of it. I found it to be the perfect level of cheesy. Yeah, yeah I, I can't handle cheesiness very much. I am cheese averse. But this film was perfect in that it did everything you expect a rom-com to do. Nothing was like groundbreaking, but it had a freshness to it that I loved. Yeah, yeah. I think when our junior podcast producer, Chelsea, she probably watched it for all of us, I think, and was recommending it to us. And she said, I promise you it's not ridiculously cheesy mm. and it's very hard to do with a film like this. Don't be fooled, though. Like, there mm. are some cheesy elements. But there was one line, which shouldn't spoil anything at all, I promise, <laughs> that I think kind of summed this up to me where they're kind of in a scene together, the two of them, and <laughs> he says say something (laughs) and she goes no you say something (laughs) and it's like oh that's perfect because the first half of the scene would be in any other rom-com and the second half was like oh it's not taking itself too seriously Mm, yeah like it can be a bit self-aware Annabelle what did you love about it I really loved the family stuff, specifically like his family plot. Yes. And also yeah. the fact that it was them meeting at an airport. I feel like it's every person's like, not dream, but if, you know that meme that's going around on TikTok that's like, oh, at an airport, everyone just becomes five points more attractive. Oh, yeah. There are five there at mm. 10 in an airport. Because everyone's way more mysterious in yeah. an airport. Yeah. yeah. I also loved that the twist that comes with his storyline, again, no spoilers, I actually didn't predict. Me I either. was sitting there with Mitch and I was like, throwing out wild theories as to what was going on because he was being very evasive with why he was flying back to London. And the reality of his situation took me by surprise. And I'm never really taken by surprise by a rom-com, so that was also enjoyable. I really loved this movie. Dare I say I recommend it. <laughs> <laughs> what is that now? She's gone for seven. She's gone for seven. <laughs> now, before we wrap this convo, and I will say I'm about to give spoilers. So if you really, I mean, it's a rom-com. We all yeah. know what's going to happen. But if you're desperate to not have any spoilers, fast forward. In terms of the type of spoiler that this is, though, it's a spoiler that's like not specific plot related. It is what you'd expect in a rom-com. Yeah, it's spoiler light. Yeah. If, if you're that averse to spoilers, feel free to fast forward. I think we'll all survive if you guys listen through it though. I want to talk about the very final scene. Annabelle, you'll know this because you watched it obviously. Yeah. I've spoken to Zara about this already. At the end of this movie, they display stats, right? Like the whole thing of this is that he's a stats guy and he loves numbers. Mm. And at the end, they display stats about their life together. Do you remember this? Yeah, I do. I don't remember the numbers though. Well, I do. (laughs) (laughs) Mitch and I watched the stats and in true form, we got our calculators out to be like, what does this mean? Like, what do these numbers mean? So at the end of the film, we are told the two main characters end up being married for 58 years. We're told that in that time, they kiss 12,872 times. We're also told how many times they have sex and how many arguments they have, which I'll get to. How often do we think the average couple kisses? 12,000 times. It didn't sound like much to me when I was watching. So let's say you're together for 50 years. 58 yep. years. 58, 58 years. years. Yeah. How often do you think you're kissing your partner over oh, a long-term a relationship? <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll be intimate. I reckon Mitch and I kiss like... 20 times a day. Yeah, well, it's they're not. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> like, my imaginary boyfriend and I is about the same, yeah. I, I actually think, I mean, I'm trying to figure out, are we counting face kisses, arm kisses? Like, what are we counting as a kiss? I, I think a kiss, yeah, yeah, it could be a kiss on the cheek even, I think. Yeah. Okay, well, apparently these two only kiss once every 1.6 days. <laughs> <laughs> Nowhere near enough. But then, then the numbers get weirder. Then. <laughs> They have sex 5,787 times. 
That means they're having sex once every three or so days until they they die. (laughs) (laughs) Until they are elderly people. These two are fucking going at it like rabbits. Or maybe they're going at it even more, like even faster rabbits early on and then later on. What about, there are so many variables here. What if one of you falls ill for a week? It's like, oh, we've got to squeeze in a few extra the next week to get to that target by the time we die. Once you take out, and I know elderly people have sex, but surely it wanes a little. Once you take out older years, period years, sickness, mental tiredness, health. once every three or so days, then it also means these two numbers combined, the number of times they're kissing with the number of times they're having sex, <laughs> half of their kisses are happening when they're having sex. <laughs> that or they just, they don't. They don't. <laughs> their face is like, don't kiss me. We can't use up a kiss. Don't kiss me. Don't look at me. Don't speak to me. <laughs> but they may not. They may not. <laughs> they have 1,462 arguments. This was the only stat that made sense to me. That's an argument every fortnight. Okay, which wh- feels a little heavy on arguments. Depends still. what we're talking about. Yeah, that does feel a bit heavy for me. A bicker. If you're bickering where you get annoyed at each other, yeah. that checks out. Once yeah, a yeah. fortnight really does check out. But I just wanted to dive into those stats. Really, a passionate relationship. <laughs> yeah, well, it is a rom-com. They want us to believe it. <laughs> no kisses, though. Passionate and <laughs> let's go to the bedroom, but don't touch my lips. Yeah. <laughs> Do we think they deliberately made these stats like this so that people would actually end up talking about the film That's in this way? That's my gal. I knew I you'd think go they there. have to. I think because it's so not hard to, <laughs> if you're going to be doing pulling out these numbers, you might as well do them properly. You know what I mean? Yeah. So to do them in such a funny way, I'm like, I think they've deliberately done them a bit weird. So someone's like, hmm, like you, that seems a bit interesting. I also think if they went too low on the sex count, people would be like, what? like, there's no passion here. There's no love here. They've got to go a little high on the sex, but then also go high on the kisses. It just doesn't really add up. No, it doesn't add up at all, but I love it. <laughs> I love this film. Couldn't recommend it more. Watch it, guys. Watch Th- it. That's all we've got, though, for today's episode. Yay! Guys, thank you for listening. The best way to support our show, if you have made it this far, if you are hearing our voices right now, you clearly don't mind what we're doing here, can you please open your app and click follow? That is the number one way to support us. That gets us up the charts, helps us find new listeners, and we really appreciate it. We appreciate it so much more than you ever know. So thank you so much on Instagram at Shameless Podcast, on TikTok at Shameless underscore podcast, and a balloon anything to add. I've just been playing with this ring all recording and now it's stuck on no. my ring finger. <laughs> so She's married. Oh my God. Congratulations. the lucky man. <laughs> the, the, the He's up here. He's in my mind. <laughs> you kiss it all the time. <laughs> Bye. Shameless Media. This podcast was recorded on Wurundjeri land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land. Hello guys, Mish here. I am the co-founder of Shameless Media. Thank you so much for giving us your ears and your mind and your time. We're so grateful. If you enjoy the stuff that we produce, may I recommend our brand new podcast, Style-ish Stylish, if you want to say it quickly, style-ish, if you want to take the long way through. It is our podcast for all things fashion, brand, business, and beauty. If that is in your wheelhouse, if you care about style content, you will love this show. It is, of course, more than just a show as well. It is a newsletter. It is an Instagram feed. It is a TikTok account. There is so much good stuff going out on Stylish every single day starting now. So in your favorite app, search for Style-ish. Give it a listen. Give it a follow. We are an independent media company and we would be so, so grateful for all your support. That's all for me, guys. Check out Stylish and have a good one.